Hi, this is Delaine England. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Moms Show. And we are so happy to have you with us. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense, the real protectors of the home front. So we're so happy to have you. And I just want to say to you, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And whatever holiday you're celebrating, awesome. I love it. I love living in a country where we can celebrate holidays and we can celebrate religious holidays. I love Christmas, so I'm so excited about Christmas. And for me, Christmas isn't just a day. It's a Christmas season. It's Christmas time. So I'm already loving Christmas. I'm already really enjoying it. And I would just like to invite everyone, if you would like, to pray for our country. For me, Christmas time is a religious time. It's a time to reflect on our blessings, a time to reflect on our freedom, the author of liberty, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are in a time of turmoil, which if you read the scriptures, we knew it was going to happen. We knew this was coming. But I would like to invite everyone. I have my alarm set at 7 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, so you can adjust that. We pray together as an entire country. Take one minute. I never take one. I usually take two or three. But take a minute and just stop whatever you're doing and just have a quick prayer and thank our maker and creator for the blessings that we have for this great land. I have been praying that the truth will come out regarding our election, that the wrongs will be corrected, and that whatever is true will be made known and that it will be brought to light. And so I'm not necessarily praying for, and that is the outcome. The outcome is the truth. The outcome is that things will be made known and that we will be able to have the true winner of our election um, stand in that position as our president, but also to protect our nation and, and protect this great country that so many people sacrifice so much for and so much that we could have this, the great opportunities that we have, the great prosperity and the great freedom that we have in this great country. I also want to just take a quick moment to honor Walter Williams. If you don't know who he is, like what an amazing, I just love this man so much. I just really, really have so much uh, respect for this man. He passed away this week and he was a, an economist and he was really a protector of freedom and prosperity. I call him a liberty dad. And he was such a great man and he's a great loss. And I would just invite everyone to just when you're cooking or you're driving or you're working or whatever you're doing, take a minute and just go on and Google one of his podcasts and listen to Walter Williams, just full of great wisdom and great thoughts. He's just such a great man. I just, I love listening to him and I'm so grateful for the technology we have because I get to still continue to listen to him and learn from him. 
And okay, so we're, we have a lot on the plate today uh, that we're going to be talking about. One of the things we're going to talk about voter fraud because it's, it's up. I mean, you can't turn on any news or radio station anywhere and not be hearing about voter fraud. I, I'm really kind of tired of it, but I can't stop listening to it or talking about it because it is literally the future, the literally the ability for America to stay a nation. It is, it is in the balance of this. Like this is, this election is literally, if we lose a right to vote, if we lose the honor and integrity of the votes, we have completely lost America. As I believe it was Lenin who said, it doesn't, it, let everybody vote. Everybody gets to vote. Who counts the vote is who makes the decision of who wins. And that's not an exact uh, quote. I'm kind of paraphrasing it there. But that is so true because no matter how many people or who gets to vote, what matters is who counts the votes. And that is what we're facing right now. Would not we want all people to who are legally here in the United States to vote and we want their votes to count? And we also don't want anyone who is not legally, has a legal right to vote to be counted. And of course, no duplicates, no dead people. There are so many problems with the system that we have of mail-in voting. We knew I fought and fought in Utah to stop mail-in voting from coming into Utah because it's just fraught with fraud. Even though there are many great people who do a really great job, work very hard in keeping the fraud out or keeping it down, the system itself is a problem because you don't really have a way to verify who's voting. You don't have a way to, once you open an envelope, to know if, if that is really the person. It's very hard to verify, especially with the things that have been accused of happening recently um, that it's very hard. When you have everyone that has to leave the voting booth and then the voting station and then four people get baskets and bags and bags of ballots out and start putting in the machine when there's nobody there to watch it and see. I hear people all the time saying we don't have any proof of voter fraud. So I just want to tell you, I can testify to you in court on my solemn oath and, and on my honor, I have witnessed voter fraud. I went down myself, Chris Kimball, the, my co-host, and great Liberty mom that she is. We went down together. We went down to Nevada and we just wanted to see if there was, if there was voter fraud, we wanted to document it. If there wasn't, we wanted to know there wasn't. And we spent four days there and we documented hundreds of people who gave us their affidavits stating that someone else had used their name or their address or both to vote. And with their with either their ballot, their mail-in ballot, or with their name and their address. And so I can tell you that it exists. But of course, 500 people, five, documenting 500 pieces of voter fraud does not constitute overthrowing the Nevada in the election in Nevada. It isn't enough to overthrow an election, but it's just the beginning. We're just simply scratching the surface. It takes so much time to verify and to document. And we, time is of the essence. So 
I would invite everyone to pray that justice and truth will prevail. Um, I think it's really important for us to go back to the Constitution and the principles of this Constitution because we know that those principles work. We can look at history and we can see like, how is it that America, even with our flaws, became so free and so prosperous. And we began laying the groundwork in, in 1620. We began the groundwork for freedom for all. In 1776, we declared our independence from a tyrannical rule. And in 1787, we actually created a document that stated, a couple of documents really, that stated that all people would be free and govern themselves. Now, of course, it didn't get applied immediately to all people, unfortunately. And most of our founders knew perfectly well that it should. But the important thing to remember is that it laid the groundwork. It set the stage. It created a place and a foundation for that to happen, which we have been able to, with time and with hard work and with much sacrifice, we have been able to create a nation with all of us coming together um, that would give every individual that is here legally freedom, full freedom, full opportunity. Every opportunity is available to every person who lives in America. That is so amazing. Even someone who has made mistakes, even someone who's gone to prison, when they get out of prison, they have the opportunity to create the, uh, a whole new life for themselves and to start anew. That is so exciting to me. I absolutely love it. So we are going to talk about what the Constitution says about our voting system and our election system. Because a lot of us tend to think in America today that we vote by the popular vote for the president, and it's created a lot of confusion. And I thought it would be really important for people to understand how our Constitution is set up. And we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to jump into that. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. 
For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. Order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you too. Call 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. You know what stinks? Overpaying for things, and that includes your cell phone bill. That's why every day people are switching to Pure Talk USA. You get the exact same coverage as the larger carriers, but at half the cost, with no contract and no excessive fees. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data all for just $20 a month. The average person saves $400 a year. Go to puretalkusa.com, enter the promo code half off, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code half off. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only Will you find immediate relief? You'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call, and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the Loving Liberty Network. I'm your host today of the Liberty Mom Show, Delane England. We're so happy to have you with us. And we are talking about the constitutional provisions for voting. Because when we vote, it is the only, really, the only way we can keep our country a republic. It is essential to our freedom to have our votes count and to have only legitimate votes count. So the process is really vital. It's really important. So I go back to what does the Constitution say about voting? First of all, it says voting is a voting day. It's really important to the citizens, and it's also important to our candidates, that voting happens on a day. And I know that's not very popular, and some people are going to be mad at me because they really like this three-week voting process that we have created in most states. And, and um, you know, it's very problematic. We can see how easy it is to commit voter fraud and how very hard it is to verify it, to document it, and also to know which ones are fraud and which ones are real. Because once you open that envelope, it's hopefully not attached to a person. And so then you have no way to know, well, which votes are fraudulent should we throw out? It's, it's very difficult. So I propose that we go back, as our Constitution said, and go back to a voting day. 
If you have a lot of voting locations, it's really not that hard. I mean, we did it my whole entire life. I've been having one voting day and I've never had to wait in line for a very long time because we had a lot of voting locations. And what is also true, because I know some of you are going to say, oh, that's going to be way too expensive. There's nothing more expensive than vote by mail. It's very, 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 very expensive. And when you have a lot of voting locations, you have security, you have overseeing it, and everyone gets to go on that day. There's not voter regret because you don't vote three weeks in advance and then find out something about a candidate and say, oh, dang, I wish I would have known that. Now I can't change my vote. There's nothing I can do. And now I voted for somebody that I realize I don't want because sometimes things don't come out until that 11th hour. So, of course, it's really essential if we want to get rid of voter fraud that we have to have identification. We need to know that the people that are voting are only voting once and that they have and who they are, that they're legal and they have a legal right to vote. So I think, you know, we, we hear a lot about bringing our country together and unification. To me, getting rid of voter fraud seems like it should be very unifying. I can't imagine anyone justifying voter fraud. That is something we can all get together and get on, on board with, and I would love to see that happen. And so I'm hoping that uh, we will get together. I know when I was in Las Vegas, when Chris and I were there, we, went, we ran into quite a few Democrats who, who said, this is not about who I voted for. I want my vote to count, and I, want, I do not want it to be watered down. And every person who votes illegitimately waters down my vote. And I love that. I loved that both Republicans and Democrats could see how important it was that the votes be legitimate and be counted only to, because it does, it does water down or deplete or diminish every one of the legal accurate votes. So um, those are those are some things that I think we really need to work uh, about, work on, and getting um, getting our votes to be where we don't have such a great opportunity to, for voter fraud to be inserted into it. Um, I just also wanted to mention that this is something that needs to happen, and it's not something that the federal government can do. It's not something that the president or vice president can do it is something that we need to handle in each and every independent state. And it's designed that way for the very purpose to try to keep voter fraud from, from corrupting our system and, and infiltrating. So each state has the responsibility and duty and literally the power to make sure that we don't have any voter fraud in our state. So that is something that we as citizens we can work with our elected officials, our elected servants, um, to go back to one day, same day, in-person voting. And, and that allows the same equal opportunity for every person. Now, of course, I am totally in favor of absentee balloting. If you're going to be out of the country, when I was on my mission in England, I used an absentee ballot because I wasn't here in the country to vote, but I still was an American citizen and I still wanted my, to, to give him my, my vote. And there are people all over that have different reasons, maybe an elderly person or a sick person or if you're in the hospital, or even if you just want to vote by, if you want to do an absentee ballot, 
I totally support that. That changes everything because you're requesting it and you're having to provide and prove who you are and that you're requesting it and then that ballot is sent directly to you. And then you know if you get it or not because you requested it. If you don't get it, you know there's a problem. You contact them and, and, and state that there's a problem. So um, the, the next thing I want to talk about is that our process of how we vote for a president in the United States. A lot of people think that we vote, our popular vote, either does vote for the president or that it should because it doesn't. And it is designed to not, it is the, the way that the founding fathers set up the constitution is very clear. They wanted the people, the citizens, the populace to vote for their representatives. And that's why they had the term of office for only two years. The people elect their representatives and they represent the people. And the way they originally set it up was that the Senate, each state legislature would elect the senators because the job of the senators was not to represent the people. The job of the center senators, the state senators, was to protect the state from the federal government. So they were elected by the legislators who represent the state to go back and represent the state and make sure the federal government didn't encroach upon any of the state or do things that would diminish or detract from the power of the states. And that really is the original role of the senators. But now that we have the 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment, um, we now we have the senators being elected by the people. And so the senators feel that their job is to represent the people rather than to represent or protect the state from the federal government. So the way that they, if you read the Constitution, it's so interesting and very fun. If you read through it, you see that the, um, the founders never intended people to even vote for president. If you consider that President George Washington, when he became president, he did not run to be the president. And he received 100% of the votes. Every single person chose first place for George Washington to be the president of the United States. But he didn't throw his hat in the ring. He didn't run. The electors recommended two people to be elected as the president. So each elector from each state would throw two names in the hat. One could be from their state. The other one could not be from their state. And um, they would recommend certain people that they felt would have honor, integrity, and represent our country well, because that really is the job of the president. The uh, the military person, the commander in chief, and to represent our nation to other nations and to enforce the federal laws. And so, but we've had a lot of changes that have been made to our electoral college system. Thank goodness we, we still have it, but barely. Um, and so that's a really important system because without this system, we would literally have New York and California choosing our president every single year. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back to finish this up and talk about Christmas.
Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. I'm your host today, Delaine England. Liberty Moms are the original Secretaries of Defense, the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities, and we are so happy to have you join us and hope that you are also Liberty Moms and Liberty Dads. So we're talking about the Electoral College and our electoral process. So one thing, so the electors would put in names and suggest, and we've, we've kind of gone away from that now. We allow people to just run, throw their hat in the ring and run, but we still have electors. And in 2016, and the electors actually are the ones who vote for the president, but now it's based on the popular vote in the state, generally speaking, determines who the electors vote for. But in 2016, there were seven members of the Electoral College who did not vote the way they were instructed to by their states. And that actually became a lawsuit. And um, it was, it's real interesting because we don't have enough time to go into the, the details of this, which I was hoping that we would. But um, it was ruled that the outcome that they, they, it, they didn't change the outcome because there were only seven of them. So it didn't really matter, but they did have to decide on whether electors should be able to, to go rogue and vote how they want to, or if they need to stay in their contract. Now, a lot of electors have to actually sign a contract saying they will vote the way the state, state tells them to. And so um, uh, the 12th Amendment kind of goes against that, saying that they should be able to vote how they want to, and that once they get into the electoral process, that they should be able to do whatever they want to. And so um, it's kind of, it's really kind of undecided. I mean, there's lot, there's cases in both ways so that go on both sides. So, so it's a great question you can ask yourself, should electors vote as they are told to, or should they be able to think for themselves and vote how they want to vote, quote unquote, their conscience. So, um, what happens now, because we do have such an unusual but not unprecedented year where President Trump is feeling very much, I mean, there is evidence, so you can't deny, there's a lot of evidence of voter fraud. So he is not convinced, he has not conceded, and he's not convinced that he didn't win. He's actually quite convinced that he did. And so um, a lot of states have not, most states have not certified their elections yet. And so the way that it really works, it's not really the media who gets to decide, and it's not really popular persuasion or what everybody thinks. It's really based on our electoral college. So our electors go on December 14th. They All the electors throughout the country will be going, and they will be voting in their state for the president. And then each state has to certify their votes, and they have to certify that by December 19th. And then on December 19th, they send their ballots or the elector ballots um, into Congress. And so ideally all of the election disputes need to be resolved by December 8th so that the electors can cast their ballots by December 14th and submit those. And then the governor can certify the votes and send the votes to Congress. And then Congress meets on January 6th and then Congress, when they go into session, they count the electoral votes and then they determine. Now, when a candidate contests the results, then, and they contest the legitimacy of, 
the legitimacy of the votes, which has happened with President Trump, the governor actually has the power to choose not to certify those votes. And then if that is what happens, which could very well happen this year, um, if that happens and it's undecided, and uh, one, of that, one of the candidates, either President Trump or, or um, Vice President Joe Biden, doesn't get 270 votes because not enough states have certified, then it goes to Congress and each state receives one vote. And then Congress will make that decision. And if that doesn't, and they will decide that on January 16th, if they don't decide it by the 20th, January 20th, when the president gets um, sworn in as president, the Speaker of the House, which I'm sure, unless you're living in a cave, you know, our Speaker of the House is Nancy Pelosi. And so she would actually become our president pro tem until the it's kind of worked out until it is decided and determined who the next president is. So that's, that is how our system works. And, and I hear a lot of people, it makes me, it makes me laugh, although it's not even funny, but they're saying there's this weird glitch. There's a weird loophole in, in the constitution that we need to fix. And it really is the constitution. It is the constitution. It is the constitutional way that our founders were so wise in coming up with so that regardless of what happened, that we would have a way to choose and elect a president so that a person couldn't stay in office, that it that wouldn't just stay there and say, well, we haven't decided, so I'll stay here. I mean, it is such an amazingly ornate and beautiful, I think, process. I think it's just incredible. So I want to shift gears now. And I wanted to talk since Christmas is coming up and you know that I love Christmas so much. I would like to just share a few things about, I like to make Christmas really meaningful. And I kind of wanted to just tell a little bit about the history of things that happened concerning the making of our nation and when our nation got started. So when we were fighting in the Revolutionary War at the time of the revolution, we had a lot of Haitian German soldiers that came over. They were paid by the British government to come over and, and help the British beat us. So they came over on our soil in America to, to support the British in uh, get, beating us into submission and getting us to do what we're told and be good little minions. And so a lot of historians think that the German immigrants, what, they, when they immigrated here, they brought over, they, they settled in East Pennsylvania, and they brought a lot of German customs. And the Christmas tree is very much a German custom. And so a lot of historians feel like the Christmas tree came to America through these German Haitians, and, or excuse me, through the German immigrants. But other historians believe that it was the Haitians soldiers who came over and brought their the Christmas tree and started that well they didn't bring it but they started decorating the Christmas trees the trees that were here and made them into Christmas trees and um, so it's probably one of those two but anyway through that time is when Christmas trees became a very much a part of Christmas um, adornment and Christmas festivities because prior to that time we, America was, had more of a Puritan belief system and 
and view on Christmas. It was much more of a religious holiday, and they didn't believe in these outward adornments and this kind of outward um, way of celebrating. It wasn't in keeping with their belief system. They did sing and they did dance and they visited with each other and had conversation, but they didn't really have the Christmas tree until that the time of the Revolutionary War. That was when it was introduced from either one of those two sources. But I thought that was just kind of fun to know and understand where the source of the Christmas tree in America came to be. But I wanted to remind everybody that on December 6th in 1776, so prior to Christmas, the British captured the American naval base ship, or excuse me, the, um, the naval base at Rhode Island. And so then it was on December 11th that George Washington, as the um, military general of the Revolutionary War, he took the trips across the Delaware River over to Pennsylvania. And then he got very concerned that the British were going to attack. He had had spies that told him the British were coming to attack. And so he, decided, he took his Continental Army and they went into Baltimore, Maryland. And so they, because they didn't, they weren't ready and they didn't want to get attacked. And so this is at this time. So that's where they hung out for a few weeks. And we have to take another break. I'm going to tell you about Thomas Paine. Everybody knows Thomas Paine is a founding. He's sort of an infamous, one of the more infamous founding fathers. But this is where Thomas Paine made his very famous speech to General George Washington's troops because. Okay, it's Christmas time, even for them, even though they, the Christmas tree was new, it was Christmas time, and they loved Christmas, and they loved celebrating Christmas. Not a fun time to be at war, not a fun time to be freezing out in the middle of the nowhere, and um, really miserable conditions. And so Thomas Paine, this is when he made his really, I think, very impactful and incredible speech. And when we come back from our break, we're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, I'm going to go over this speech with you. I know you've heard it, but we're going to review it and tie it into Christmas. And we'll be right back. So stay with us. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. Order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you too. Call 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. 
The number one gift in this stressful year, relaxation from Homedics. Soothing stress for over 35 years, Homedics is the top home massage products brand with gifts for every aching muscle on your list with free shipping on orders over $50. Holiday supplies won't last, so avoid the rush while you can at HOMEDICS.com. Get the perfectly relaxing, perfectly affordable gift now at Homedics.com and major retailers everywhere. We all have health goals, but let's face it, you are living in some fantasy world if you think you are suddenly about to start eating better. In fact, have you thought of this? How many different servings of fruit have you eaten today? How many servings of vegetables? And sorry, Dad, French fries and ketchup don't count. The experts recommend eating over 10 servings of fruits and vegetables each day. That's where Balance of Nature comes in. With three fruit and three veggie capsules, Balance of Nature gives you all your daily recommended servings and contains 31 different fruits and vegetables. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of fruits and veggies. Change your life now by calling 800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. Do you think some of the top investors in the world are buying gold? Recently, a handful of billionaires have been accumulating gold over other forms of investments. When the world's financial moguls like Sam Zell begin choosing metals, perhaps it's time you listen and follow suit with your own personal investments. Gold is formally recognized as a hedge against currency depreciation and inflation. Take David Einhorn as one example. Einhorn founded Greenlight Capital in 1996 and surged that fund from $900,000 to as high as $11 billion. Einhorn believes that the central bank's recent stimulus efforts will have an effect on pushing up the value of gold. He keeps 10% of his firm's value stored in gold bullion. If you're interested in knowing more about gold, platinum, and palladium, call Noble Gold for a no-pressure consultation. They have the most experienced representatives and an exclusive pipeline to metal sources. Visit them at noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Bomb Show. We're so happy that you are joining us. We're so happy to have you with us. We were talking about Thomas Paine. It's at Christmas time. And, you know, George Washington is just exhausted. He's depleted. His troops are depleted. They are freezing. They're outside. They're living in horrible, deplorable conditions. If you've been to New England, I mean, bad enough to be cold in the west but it's so much colder even in the in the in the new england where the humidity it just like goes right through you just can't get warm you just you just 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 you just get so it's so cold it just is miserable and here's the soldiers they their homes are closed but they don't go home because they're fighting and and especially knowing that the british are staying many times in the tories homes and living very comfortably and this is what our patriots did for you and for me to secure our liberty they were amazing and they were so strong and they needed a boost and thomas Paine, regardless of what you think of him i love these words i they are immortal and they're so profound and i actually feel like they're just so perfect for christmas these and i won't do them justice but 
hear his, hear his voice in his words. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. And I just think this is so perfect for us in this day. We are, are we sunshine patriots? Are we only going to do what is comfortable and easy, what is convenient for us? Or are we willing to make these incredible sacrifices? And tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. This is not easily conquered. If you don't understand that your rights have just been completely neutered, that they have just been ripped from you and taken from you and stomped all over you from these unconstitutional mandates, whether you agree with them or not, this is not, that is unconstitutional. If you are afraid of COVID, then you should quarantine yourself. But there are so many things that you can do to empower yourself to not be afraid and to be safe. But taking your liberties away and telling you you can't go to church, telling you you have to socially distance. It's one thing to bodily distance, but to socially distance yourself from your friends, your family, your loved ones, is it's wrong. It is not. I don't believe that our Savior is supporting anyone in socially distancing. There are things we can do. We have answers. We have so many things, therapies that we can take to help to keep from getting it and to cure if we do get it. But it really is in a country where that is founded on self-governance. It is our responsibility to take care of our immune systems, to build them up. And I just want to briefly say, think about this. Wearing a mask, we know, is really detrimental to your immune system. It depletes it. So just think about that. We will talk about it in January at great length. But I just, I love this quote and I love it at Christmas time because at Christmas, a time when we really, are we really willing to give ourselves to the Savior or to dedicate ourselves to freedom, to liberty, to each other? What are we willing to do? Are we willing to stand out? Are we willing to stand up? What sacrifices are we willing to make? And I think that Thomas Paine was truly inspired, and I think he just said it in such an eloquent manner. Um, December 25th, as you know, George Washington took his 2,400 troops, and he decided to recross the Delaware River. Now, it was at night, icy cold, ice chunks in the river. They're trying to, to cross this river, and they did not have the kind of winter attire that we use when we just go out and go Christmas caroling or go see the lights. But George Washington felt it was essential. This was, we had to have, we, after loss, after loss, after loss, we had to have a winning battle. And he just said, we have to do this, a surprise attack on Trenton, New Jersey. There were 1,500 Haitian soldiers stationed there. And he said, I, we just have to do this. Now, he knew that he needed a victory, and he knew that this was kind of their moment of truth. He 
decided to cross over. They got away a late start later than they expected. They divided into three. One group didn't even move. Um, the, the conditions were terrible, but he, and then crossing the river took much, much longer, hours longer than they anticipated. So he, when they were able to get into Trenton, they were, it was after, they wanted to get there at six in the morning and do a surprise attack in the dark, but it was eight o'clock. It was already light. But by the grace of God, they were able to take back that city without losing one American soldier. That is nothing short of a miracle. They were able to take many, um, not only many prisoners, but they got so many provisions. It was an amazing victory. And of course, it completely changed the way that the soldiers looked at it and that he needed to reenlist soldiers. And that was such an amazing change in the, the feeling and the, the, the way that people, the soldiers looked at the chances of victory and they knew that they were doing the right thing. I want to read you real quickly George Washington's journal as of December 18th. So this is right before the battle. He said, if every nerve is not strained to recruit the new army with all possible expedition, I think the game is pretty near up. No man, I believe, ever had a greater choice of difficulties and less the means of extricating himself than I have. However, under a full persuasion to the justice of our cause, I cannot but think the prospect will brighten. Wow. I mean, you could tell the days were dark for him, but he's like, it's so important. I have to, the, the persuasion of the justice of our cause, I cannot but think the prospect will brighten. And that is why he had to go ahead and cross. He said, a character to lose, an estimate, an est, excuse me, an estate to forfeit, the inestimable blessing of liberty at stake, and a life devoted must be my excuse. It was much easier to draw up remonstrances in a comfortable room by a good fireside than to occupy a cold, bleak hill and sleep under frost and snow without clothes or blankets. And as we just are so warm and comfortable and cozy in our homes in December, I just want us to remember that George Washington, yeah, he wanted to go home. He wanted to have comfort and be in his home, but he chose not to. So it was also at Christmas in 1783 that General George Washington chose to step down as the leader of the Revolutionary Army. Um, as, as put by author Stanley Weintraub, he, he wrote in his book, General Washington's Christmas Farewell. In late November 1783, when Washington finally received formal notice of the signing of the peace treaty with England, he had little more than a month to accept the transfer of power from British troops in New York. He had to bid farewell to his troops. He had to resign his commission to Congress if he had any hopes of making it back home to Mount Vernon for Christmas. He, and he knew he could have remained in charge of the army. He was so loved. He could have become a virtual or literal king to the American people. They were willing. They loved him so much. But having this newly formed government, he chose to resign. And not only at that point, but also with his decision to step down after two terms of being the president, it made him not just by many, but including the King, King, King George III, 
the greatest character of all age. When you think of a man who's willing to give up that much power, his homeward journey is one of the most moving and inspiring stories of his great and eventful life. He bade farewell to his troops and there were no dry eyes. They were crying. When he reached Congress, he gave his retirement speech. It cemented his greatness more fully than his victory over the British in the war. When he made it to Mount Vernon, finally on Christmas Eve, it could not have been a happier homecoming. It can be said that Christmas not only brought us the Prince of Peace, but it also brought us the freedom to worship the Prince of Peace. I hope you will enjoy your Christmas season with this in mind. Thank you so much. Thank you.